Hey everyone, this is Patrick with the 307 RPG Podcast, and I just want to take a moment and say thank you to all of our amazing patrons. It's because of you that we're able to do the things that we do. If you like our show and you want to support us, you can find us on patreon.com slash theforgeherald. Thanks everyone, I hope you enjoy the show. Hello everybody and welcome to the 307 RPG Podcast. My name is Patrick and I am your host, and I am joined by my co-host... Nolan. Happy birthday, Nolan. I hope you had a great birthday in this time of coronavirus. Did you guys do anything fun? Nope. No. <laughs> it wasn't too bad. It's the nice thing about being online and being able to catch up. We'd get to play some vampire and gonna go see my parents today. So we'll we'll try and be safe and smart, but I think even if it wasn't coronavirus, I probably would have done the same thing and had just as much fun playing vampire and hanging out with you guys. So well, fair enough. Let's see. You've been playing a Pathfinder game lately, haven't you? Um, I am playing all three of the bigger ones right now that were the top-down Baldur's Gate style, uh, kind of getting ready for Baldur's Gate 3. Uh, so I've been messing with uh, Pathfinder Kingmaker. I've been messing with Pillars of Eternity 2 and Divinity Original Sin 2 as well. Okay. And what are your thoughts on these games? You know, I think... I kind of am doing it like when I get, I call it creative ADD when it's the, you know, you pick up a book, you read like five pages and you're like, nope, not interested. You grab another book, you read 10 pages. Nope, not interested. Um, so I've, I've kind of just played through the tutorial to try and get a feel for them. They all feel fairly similar. Uh, I am definitely more familiar with the Pathfinder rule set since it's based upon, you know, kind of a, a 3.5, 5e. I understand the feats. I understand the classes. I understand the spells. Divinity Original Sin has its own system. Pillars of Eternity has its own system. So those, it's kind of hard to jump in between. Uh, I did not remember that Critical Role was a part of uh, Pillars of Eternity as far as some voice acting stuff and side things. So right now I have a party with Matt Mercer and Marisha Ray in the group, and they chirp back and forth to each other. And I can't see the characters. I don't even know what the characters' names are. I just see them talking to each other. So that's a little awkward and weird and kind of breaking my immersion a little bit. But fun games, fun classes. Uh, the multi-classing system in uh, all three games is a lot of fun and very different, but fun. And talk about timely because, well, we've been talking about Critical Role stuff all month. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I thought that was funny. That is funny. And these games are all available on Steam, isn't that right? Yeah, that's where I picked them up. And my old computer, I had, I had bought in a couple of them uh, when they first came out. My old computer just didn't have the space and I didn't have the time to run them. So I'd purchased them, just never downloaded them. And now I'm just getting to enjoy them for the first time. And they're all good for all their different reasons. Um, I'm <laughs> In Pillars of Eternity, I'm playing a class called the Arcane Knight, which is a uh, paladin and a wizard multi-class, which is really fun to basically stand in the middle of the bad guys, light myself on fire, and heal my way out of it as they all burn to death. So it's kind of a, a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds painful. <laughs> yep. That's awesome. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about timely. Our topic of the night, of course, is we're going to be wrapping up uh, Critical Role for the month. We're going to be talking a little bit about some of the stuff we covered, what we liked, what we didn't like, as well as going into something called the Mercer effect. We, we won't even touch on that right now. We'll talk about that 
uh, later. N uh, next month, we do have a few things planned out. We have a couple of interviews lined up to discuss some of the lesser known games that we've been kind of talking about. Katie Griffin will be joining us to talk about the game Dystopia Rising. Uh, Dystopia Rising Evolution, sorry. Katie has written, was... Uh, Katie wrote on that book as well as, if I remember correctly, the core Dystopia Rising rulebook. So that'll be neat to have her on to discuss that game. And then Matthew Dawkins will be joining us to talk about his game, They Come From Beneath the Sea, which I got to tell you, I've been looking through that book, just kind of flipping through it and just reading some highlights here and there. And this game looks absolutely freaking hilarious. Yeah, I like the uh, the idea behind why they made it, and those are like just that great era of horrible horror movies is fantastic, and uh, yeah, I, <laughs> it looks like a lot of fun. Yeah, I was reading through a, a part of well, it was kind of a story as well as like uh, an example of play, and like there's like okay, you're about to enter combat, and then you draw a card and wait. You're like, hold on, wait, fade to black. Because it's all based on, you know, movies. So you fade to black and then you bring in the stuntman so the stuntman can take all the damage so you don't have to. Nice. Which I thought was hilarious. I mean, it's got some really neat um, mechanics. And I, 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 we're going to have to play a one shot of that one and because I think that would be a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, it looks very good. And of course, Dystopia Rising is one that we've just recently started talking about because we've just learned about it. So that'll be interesting to talk to Katie about that one and get her thoughts on it as well as just get an understanding of it. I did go ahead and pick up a copy of the book, so I wasn't absolutely blind when I talked. Okay, so let's move on to 307 RPG News. Our giveaway for Chicago by Night's Guardlands Player's Handbook, uh, Crack and Dice and Stickers has come to an end. We did have a winner. They are located in Spain. So I've emailed that person and I'm just waiting for them to respond to me and let me know uh, their address so I can get that shipped out to them. I'm going to give them a few days to respond. And if I don't hear anything, unfortunately, we'll have to draw another winner. But hopefully we hear something rather quickly so I can get those books in the mail to them. So congratulations. And I'll announce the winner uh, next week. I, I want to make sure we get a confirmation first. Cool. Dungeons and Dragons. Did you see anything new? I did not. Um, it seemed kind of about more of the same. They're at least, you know, continuing with some pretty cool. Uh, I love the cartoons that you can draw and color on. Uh, that's been a lot of fun. Um, there was a one that I saw and thought of you was the uh, Castle Ravenloft battle maps. Uh, was available oh, okay. for free until uh, April 25th. Um, and that was pretty cool. Uh, yeah, I, it's just kind of neat. Uh, a lot of the Adventure League stuff is starting to kind of pop in there, too, for some campaigns and stories. The backgrounds have been good. I mean, it's it's kind of fun to see something every day. I hope that's something that maybe they kind of continue going forward is kind of a reason to log in and check and see what it is. I like the idea of giving away a free adventure, even if it's like one a month. You know, it gives you... It gives you something different, especially if you're somebody who loves to homebrew or or you're just getting bogged down with with your weekly or monthly game or well, if it's a monthly game, I doubt you're getting bogged down. But it, it's just nice to have just new, fresh ideas coming at you. Well, and again, sometimes there is that awkward thing of like, well, I've got I've got this set up in mind. Uh, they skipped a bunch of encounters. They're not ready to level up. Here's a random adventure that works in someplace else. It's for level five to ten, so it can it can help that little gap of 
again, sometimes if you've got a story, it's really hard to backtrack from that point and, and just throw in filler for people that's, you know, whatever. And this kind of will help with that. Agreed. So make sure you check that out. Uh, I do have a link in the show notes so you can see what all has been offered for free. Other than that, I didn't see anything else for D&D. So let's head over to Onyx Path. They did have a little bit of news from Onyx Path this month or this week. They did announce, as we talked about last week, their latest Kickstarter M20 uh, Mage 20th Anniversary Edition Technocracy Reloaded is the new Kickstarter. And that they got approval on that one. So it will be going live on April 28th, which is this Tuesday. Typically, those go live um, noon Eastern time, I think it is. So okay. if you're a fan of M20, this might be one you don't want to miss. Which I know my brother, Dom, who's an avid listener of our show and also an avid listener of our friends over at Mage the Podcast, has become absolutely addicted to Mage and he's been scooping up Mage books right and left. So I'd imagine he is going to be jumping all over this book. That's awesome. Yeah. I also saw in the Monday meeting notes that the uh, that drive through cards, which is a subdivision of drive through RPG, was printing again. They're doing print-on-demand stuff again. Why is this important on XPath? Well, apparently, and I didn't know this, there is a card game called Expedition that has a Scardlands expansion. Have you ever heard of this card game, Nolan? I have not. I haven't either. I, I can't even tell you anything about it, uh, except that it has a Scardlands ex- uh, expansion in which you can bring Scardland monsters into your game. I have a link in the show notes if you want to check it out. Uh, could be a lot of fun. Uh, let's see. On sale this week for Onyx Path is Hell News Guide to Wasteland Beasties for Dystopia Rising Evolution and Distant Worlds for Trinity for Trinity Continuum. Both of these can be found on DriveThruRPG by clicking the link at the top of our website. I also saw, and this is exciting and it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, that They Come From Beneath the Sea is no longer in the indexing process and is now in the printing process. Cool. So that, I would imagine, means that we I should have that book in my fingers, in my hands, fingers, that sounds weird, in the next couple of weeks. Fingers are crossed. <laughs> Just ridiculous. I can't speak this morning. <laughs> okay, over at Modiphius, I got notification of a couple of new products that just got released by Modiphius. First, we have the Repairer of Reputations, which is a new case note for the RPG Luminal. And then we also have Paradiso, a source book for the Infinity RPG. Nolan, have you heard of either either of these? They put out a lot of stuff, and I think that's one of those things that's uh, it's really interesting to see, I guess, just because, I don't know, I have a little bubble, and I apparently need to get out of it because there's a lot of stuff I'm missing. You and me both. Uh, I I, it's amazing every time I see a new title that, and I have to think, wow, there's just a ton of role-playing games out there. And, you know, Modiphius does a really good job with their games. So I, it's not that I'm going to be jumping into anything new, but if somebody were to say to me, hey, we're playing uh, Luminal tonight, you want to give it a try? As long as they knew the rules and I didn't have to sit there and study a new rule book, I'd probably give it a try. Yeah, and I, and I think that's the big thing, too, is a lot of times we look at it and we're like, oh, did you see this new? And no, it's not new. It's been out forever. It's like, how did I miss that? Like, that seems like something I would definitely be interested in. So, No kidding. And it's happened to us a few times. So, mm-hmm. And then we find stuff right as they're coming out, like that Dishonored role-playing game. Right. 
yeah, and I think that's a nice thing about like maybe this time period as well is that we're able to dig a little deeper and find some stuff because there's a lot of downtime. There is indeed a lot of downtime. Modifius also announced that they are resuming shipping of physical products. They are operating with a skeleton crew as per guidance from the government, but says but they say they have caught up on all orders placed since they went into this lockdown. As a way of saying thanks for your patience, Modifius gave newsletter subscribers a free PDF of the RPG John Carter of Mars. I never got into John Carter. Didn't you get into John Carter a little bit? Uh, a little bit, yeah. Um, I unfortunately got exposed to it by the movie, uh, which was eh, but it was enough to make me deep dive enough to take a look at the actual author and see the books and uh, kind of, I don't know, really learn the history of it, at least of kind of, I guess he was the first person to talk about Martians in a sense and spaceships. And that kind of was the one that started kind of everything as far as that goes, whether it's Star Trek or whatever. So very cool. I did go ahead and because I newsletter subscribers, so I did go ahead and download a copy of it. Uh, there is a code that you have to use in the newsletter. It's and it's in the newsletter and it immediately changes your cart balance to zero and you can download it. So I did go ahead and grab that. So I'll flip through it and give it a look. He uh, I can't as a as a tangent there uh, the guy was from 1875 died in 1950 uh edgar rice burroughs but he did this and he also did tarzan and i can't imagine given the time period writing some of that stuff and being the first you know i mean i just can't imagine what people looked at that if their minds were blown or you know or just like wow that's weird or you know i mean during that time period you probably just didn't know so you'd look up and see mars and be like i wonder what's really out there well, and that's going to be during the time period of like H.P. Lovecraft and some of those other really famous serial writers. So I have to wonder if this like if John Carter was indeed a serial. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of them. And I think uh, I think it was just kind of the first one was John Carter of Mars. And he he has a bunch of adventures through it. So. Yeah, it debuted in 1912 as in a magazine serial. Interesting. Yeah, see, and I never I never watched the movie, which I mean I've heard was really bad. So I guess I'm not missing anything. It was pretty rough, but I don't know. It's it's a fun, forgettable one. Um I did enjoy the twists at the end and that kind of stuff, but it definitely didn't deserve a sequel. <laughs> Fair enough. So yeah, I I love some of these older like when they take some of these older style or not older style, but they take some of these older stories like John Carter and they'd be, they do turn them into role-playing games. I mean, Conan was an old styles uh, as well. Of course, Call of Cthulhu with HP Lovecraft, they're uh, mainly Wade Wellman. I wish they would do some of his in, in some of these horror games as well, because there was just some amazing stories that were written in the early 1900s. Well, I think the fun thing about him too. And I think the, the, the reason I liked uh conan so much as they were just really good short stories and it feels like you know in in this day and age it's really hard to pick up something of you know brandon sanderson and five thousand million pages later you've wrapped up half a book um whereas with those you could just kind of pick them up and read a couple stories and you're like you know you're getting a, a glimpse into this person's whole life um and i and i miss that stuff uh it was part of the reason why i enjoyed the witcher so much because that first book was kind of that same way a collection of adventures you know and it, it feels like uh kind of what they not necessarily base D D on but kind of that idea of 
This is a small section of this person's life. This is the adventure with so-and-so and the bandits. And then, it, you know, they don't write about the downtime, the six months before, you know, the apocalypse happens. It just jumps right to the apocalypse. So it's always action. It's always fun. Um, and that's just a nice read. Nice. And it looks like for those of you who are wondering, uh, Conan was originally created in or first published in Weird Tales in 1932. It was written by Robert E. Howard. Uh, again, pulp magazine, serial publications, uh, s- such such great stories that came out during that time. Yeah, and again, I just I can't fathom reading that kind of stuff and just, you know, it's just so different. Now it's like, oh, I can't wait for the next zombie, the- you know, like thriller. And, and, and back then they're like, oh, the dead's walking. And it's like, what? This is mind-blowing. And so... All right. I don't have any other RPG news. Do you? I don't. Gosh, I'm trying to think of anything exciting, but it is kind of that that awkward lull with everything going on and a lot of these events being canceled and news getting pushed back. And so. Right. And, and did you you were a backer of that Tolis Kickstarter. Is there anything new with that? Uh, we started getting some of the 3.5 stuff. Uh and I think I've gotten most of it at this point, which was part of a like a thank you for doing it. We got that all for free through Drive Through RPG. Uh, I think I looked at the book and saw there was 800 pages, and realized that it was going to be uh, a huge undertaking when that thing finally shows up. Um, I'm hoping we can find a good group of people to play it, to sit down and get to know it, because I think it's something that we could be lost in for a while if uh, if it's as good as it was reviewed and heralded as you know one of the greatest 3.5 adventures created so i'm excited and nervous because it's also one of those things if i'm not going to see it for a year in in its final form and glory and if everybody hates it then it's a it's another book to sit next to my 4.5 or my four fourth edition books so yeah that's the unfortunate thing about that uh, i don't think it's going to be anything that we hate i i'd imagine it's going to be just just from the description of it that's going to be one that we're going to spend some time in yeah i i like i like things that you can get lost in i like i like that kind of stuff we've enjoyed scarred lands um getting close to the end of that's that story and it, it seems like a, a neat world um where the books in it are good and and I don't know. I think that's that's something to help of the world itself is interesting, that the scenario is interesting. So it helps you get past the prologue a little bit because you want to know how and why people are the way they are. Right, right. I'm looking forward to it. I'm actually, I mean, I just, yeah, I think Tullus looks really interesting. There's There was a lot of, Monty Cook did a good job just in the descriptions and, and some of the writings that I've read of it. So I think it's going to be a fun one to look at. And the unfortunate thing, like you said, is we do wait a year for some of these Kickstarters. Uh, I think it's been just over a year since I backed They Came From Beneath the Sea. So it takes a little bit, that's for sure. But it's a long sure. process. I, uh, I backed Crowfall, um, and I think I'm on year number five or something like that. <laughs> wow that's 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 a long time so yeah books are one thing uh rpgs mmos are a whole different animal very very true all right nolan well i guess we should move over to our uh topic of the night which is going to be a wrap up of the critical role stuff that we talked about but before we do that i want to jump into what's commonly known as the Mercer effect. Now, for those of you who don't know what the Mercer effect is, the Mercer effect is the belief of new Dungeons & Dragons players that when they sit down to play their very first D&D game, 
they're going to get Matt Mercer or they're going to get critical role. And I, you know, that's just not the case. So I wanted to, Nolan, what are your thoughts on the Mercer effect? Well, I think <laughs> I, I really hate it uh, from a standpoint of it has such a negative uh, effect to it uh, where, where DMs and players alike both have this different expectation or if you feel like you have big shoes to fill um, as a DM or if your players are expecting that. Uh, I look at it like from a player standpoint of a critical role effect. Um, if I sit down at a table and I'm inspired by the players, you know, I, I need to give that kind of effort if I want that out of the rest of the table. And so sitting down and expecting your DM to carry you uh, is really just, <laughs> it's really tough. Um, having those kind of expectations are tough. Uh, Matt seems, I mean, I've, I've passed by him twice in my existence uh, and he seems like the nicest kindest uh, uh, non-threatening non-intimidating guy and for people to have issues with well that's not my idea you know it's like I don't know I it hurts my heart a little bit to see people have any kind of negativity it's not a competitive game it's not that you know it's not call of duty uh, PvP with hackers and stuff like that like there's no reason to have nerd rage about this thing this is somebody that's playing D&D in their way and yeah it's it's really good and it's really inspiring to see the the potential of professional voice actors doing this kind of professional actors playing the game yeah if you did that for a living i imagine you could do some fun stuff but we all bring our own natural talents to these kind of games and whether that's creating characters or creating backstories or writing that kind of stuff um I don't think anybody ever complains about that. You just have this example, and I, I don't know. I can ramble about it for days. Uh, anytime that you get an effect named after you, you're probably doing something right. Uh, and usually when you do something right, the loudest people about that thing are going to be negative, but hurt sons of guns. So from DMs, if your players want Matt Mercer, tell them that you want, uh, you know, Sam Regal. So you step up your game, I'll step up my game, and we'll see where we meet in the middle. So. I, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think it's silly that there is this thing called the Mercer effect. First off, none of us, well, I shouldn't say none of us, Matt and his group, they've been playing for years. They've been playing together for a long time. They know how to play with each other. They know how to interact with each other. Matt knows what to do to get his group to laugh. He knows what to do to, to you know, provoke or in, invoke emotions in them. And, and that comes from playing with your group for a long time. Now, if you sit down to a table and you expect that for the very first time, you're out of your gourd. That's just all there is to it. Yeah, you're probably going to get an interesting experience, but you're going to get an experience that's unique to that DM and that table. It has nothing to do with Critical Role. And I love what Critical Role has done for Dungeons & Dragons. I genuinely do. And like Nolan said, if, if you've got an effect named after you, you're probably doing something right because other people are... They're just pissed off and angry because maybe they didn't get the same fame and fortune that you're getting from it. And not that I think they're getting rich off of this. Uh, and, and to me, it's really frustrating to think that people expect this because we aren't voice actors. We're not professional actors. Now, it doesn't mean as a DM, you can't put more into it if you want to give people a really good experience. But you could put everything you have into it and somebody walks away going, well, that sucks. 
And that's not your fault. It's ex, it's expectations when you sit down to the table. And I think everybody should sit down at that table for the first time or even the second, third, fourth, fifth, whatever time, and expect to play the game and have fun with the people they're playing with and not expect something that is completely unrealistic. And again, it's 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 your table, have a good session zero, say this is the kind of stuff it is, if these are your expectations. Uh, I don't DM that way. You know, you we watch, uh, we, we've seen different ones do well, the Penny Arcade stuff. Uh, the DM is very much just always the DM. There isn't a lot of, I mean, you know, it is kind of one note, it is what it is, and but he, he sets up descriptions so well, he sets up the room so well, the encounters are so well. You know, so don't look at it like, well, I don't have that. And again, that's an example for everything in life. Um, take a look at what you have, uh, shine a light brighter on what you're good at, and that will out you know, that that will be over the top versus you trying to uh, be somebody else. Uh, you don't see it i don't know it's it is a tough a tough thing and i can understand that and yeah i i i think anybody would be like oh i get to sit at a table with matt mercer i for one would be terrified because i you know on the player side of things i don't you know i wouldn't be able to give him what he's expecting you know i just i don't feel that comfortable and i think like you said that's that's years of playing with that people there's there's something about sitting down with our group at this point where I can drop into character and be ridiculous or or over the top or I could play a highly emotional character that cries at everything or whatever and I would never feel sideways glances or anything like that people like holy crap you know i think our table has gotten to a point now it's like you know pirate zach walks in playing eric crocra you know and it's like shit i gotta do better you know and i think that's a that's a fun challenge for our table you know different tables have different things you know you make a really powerful character that's a challenge for everybody else to be like oh we're playing a real game now he's going to be really effective i need to be better i need to be smarter about my spells it's not just uh dick and fart jokes it's not you know whatever i mean i think it's a chance to make it something more um so you know it's a it's a rough thing i hope people are getting over it at this point i know it was a big deal when it came out um but hopefully hopefully it's one of those things of you you just kind of you, you get over it you know i don't cry every time i shoot a free throw because i'm not jordan um but it doesn't Wait, mean I don't you're not? quit playing basketball. You know, I mean, damn him for being so good. You know, like, and that's the weird thing about it, you know, with the, the Jordan documentary now and stuff like that. It's, I don't think anybody's crying because he was so good. Uh, you know, it, it sets the bar, it sets the example for that kind of thing. And again, they're, you know, they're loosey-goosey with the rules. They do stuff for story. Uh, he's not a rules lawyer, you know. So again, while it's one of those things of like, oh, he's so good. He's so good. They still are just doing their game. So you know, he's not perfect. He's not infallible. He doesn't set the standard for that kind of stuff of the whole game. It's just he has some really well thought out characters and his natural talent comes through to giving them voice and personality. So if you retain knowledge, if you're good at descriptions, if you want to make big fights, you know, the, play to your strengths and people remember that and they won't ever think twice about it. you never did a funny voice. You'll remember the time that they fought the, the th you know, the winged devils running across, you know, uh, the circus, uh, and there was a, a bear, you know, on a bouncy, but you know what I mean? Like there's just some of that stuff of like, they're never going to remember the voice, but they're going to remember that moment where you created something for them. Right. And I think that's the important thing to remember right there is that if you can leave your players with a lasting memory of the game, it doesn't have to be a silly voice. It, you know, it, it could be anything, a powerful scene 
a silly voice, an interesting interaction. Those are the types of things that you should be looking forward to in a role-playing game in your D&D sessions, not whether or not you're going to get Matt Mercer and the cast a critical role. So I completely agree with you on that, Nolan, and I do think it's a very frustrating thing. And, you know, and, and the other thing is, is like you said, is Zach jumps into pirate era Kokra and suddenly you feel like, oh, crap, I need to do better. And, and really, when it comes to sitting down and playing a role playing game, there's two words there that you really need to remember. Role playing. You're playing a role. You are taking on the persona of this person. And Zach has done a great job with his Eric Hooker that he's doing where he does talk like this ridiculous pirate. And he has, you know, things that he's always like narwhals are for whatever reason, a big deal for him. And our whales are a big deal for him. And, and don't worry. Or don't. What does he say? Stuff like, uh, you know, what kills you? Whales. That's what kills you. You know, stupid things like that. But we remember that. We remember those things instead of, oh, yeah, I rolled the dice 20 times times and only hit like three times and oh the dm was very boring and how i described things you know you get like everything in life you get out of it what you put into it so if you want the map if you want the critical role effect you can easily get it at your table by putting more into it and being more of a role player I think you look at what's memorable at your table you know is it is it this big fight is it an interaction to your relationships uh, when we think about the Matt Mercer effect, I mean, yeah, there's some pretty cool fights, but I, I for one, remember the characters that they've played, and I remember the emotional interactions between the players themselves, you know, and that's that's some of the stuff there of cultivating a scene, and and uh, you know, we talk about like when players die in that game and stuff like that. Like, you know, I don't remember hardly any of the fights. I mean, some of them were big and they were important, but the day to day stuff, it's kind of like. I'm waiting for something big to happen, not from necessarily Matt Mercer, but from the players' interaction, and and that's what their game is known for. So, uh, I, yeah, it's a it's a silly thing. Don't uh, if you feel if you feel threatened by it, if your table feels threatened by it, if they're expecting that kind of stuff. Again, have a good session zero, lay it all out there on the table. Uh, you know, when I DM, I'm terrible at voices. I'm sorry if that's what you're looking for. But I will make some really good encounters. Uh, I'll really try and hit all the boxes that you want as a player. And if that works for you, then let's you know create some characters. If it doesn't, then let's find you a table or a place to play that is more to your style. And and that'll solve a lot of heartache. So let's talk about some of the things that we've discussed about Critical Role over this last month. Of course, we talked about the Taldry campaign source book, and I think we both agree that 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 is a great book to have in your RPG collection, right? Yeah, I liked it a lot. I do too. There's some great things in there that even if you don't play in Taldorai, there's some, it, it will help you to develop your own world if you want to do things like that, give you some great ideas. And I think we both feel the same about the um, uh, Wild Mount campaign source book too, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I think the nice thing is, and the ease of access to it being on D&D &D Beyond is so much more helpful that I think it's probably a better purchase at this point than the first one, if you could only afford one. Um, but again, that's just ease of access and them getting kind of accepted uh, by Wizards of the Coast. So a lot of it makes a lot more sense as far as deities and, and, and that sort of thing. That's a good point. I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah, if you can only get one of them, I would definitely go with the Wild Mount one because it is, you know, fully into the, the whole D&D &D realm. That's a really good point. And yes, you can eventually go back and get that. I wish they would put the PDF up on Drive Through RPG, but that's not something they've done yet. So. Sure. 
I, I did want to spend a little bit of time talking once again about the gunslinger and the blood hunter. And I know we've, you and I have been talking a little bit more about the blood hunter as you've been digging a little bit more into it. And why don't you give us some of your thoughts on the blood hunter? I, I like the last revised uh, edition of it. It feels better from a balance standpoint um, and not just broken, but also from, you know, t taking permanent hit points and, and reducing maximum hit points and all that stuff got a really dangerous uh, and it kind of came down to, I felt the only way to play one would kind of be an archer. So you're safe. Now it has a lot more options uh, and it, it touches on a lot of different fantasy bases, which is nice, you know, looking at like uh, the order of lichens, uh, you know, if you're into the, the werewolf, uh, vampire, underworld, uh, want to be a shape changer, all of those things kind of check those boxes. You become a little bit of the monster. Uh, the mutagen path was very much uh, reminded me of uh, the Witcher uh, taking these potions uh, to enhance your dexterity, but also, you know, causes you to move so fast you can't think straight. So you take a disadvantage on wisdom checks or something like that. And I thought that was another fun, again, style of play. And I, I like that kind of stuff. You know, the orders, I, I feel, give you an opportunity to play very different style classes. One's more caster, one's more uh, lycanthrope, one's more uh, all about the potions, the other one's kind of more of a standard fighter. So you could really find your niche. And I think that's a sign to me of a good class of, um, you know, if I if I pick a, you know, a wizard, each school is very different, but at the end of the day, it's still, I'm a wizard who specializes in this and I don't get a lot of flavor change between them. Uh, whereas I feel like the bards in fifth edition, depending on which bard you pick, you, you could have a party full of bards and everybody could handle a different role very easily. So in my mind, that's a very diverse option filled class. And I feel like blood hunter does that uh, gunslinger itself is a subclass. Um, I still feel like it's a little bulky. Uh, managing arms is is kind of rough and tedious on it, I think. But for the player that really likes that sort of stuff, I think it would be a lot of fun of of doing it. But again, I haven't played one, and you have, so. Well, and and I completely agree with you. I I do think Gunslinger is very bulky, and I played it for a while, so I, I definitely got the feel of it. And and I know, like we've talked about, like with the um, um, misfiring, and you know, obviously any weapon that you use, you have a chance of misusing it and things going awry in a very you know dramatic way. But you, you do have a higher chance when you are using firearms, and and that can be something that you don't you know that that's an issue. So. It's just another thing that you have to keep track of. And and if you like doing things that, you know, create big damage like shadow blade into green flame blade into, you know, booming blade kind of stuff, you're never going to get that with a gunslinger. Um, I think you're going to play gunslinger only because you genuinely want to play it or you just want to give it a try. It can be a very frustrating class. Now, I will say that there were moments where I had a lot of fun with it, especially if I was like, uh, I'm going to shoot to disarm and knock that sword out of their hand. You have a better chance of doing that with a gunslinger than you do as a sword swinger. If you're going to try and knock the sword out of their hand, because it's probably not going to happen because gunslingers have a very specific trick shot that allows them to do that kind of stuff. I also played blood hunter. And I, I got to tell you, if I had to choose between the two, I would play Blood Hunter again every day of the week because I had a lot of fun with that class. Yeah, and I think that's a, I think that's a, your your 
again, a gunslinger is a very defined thing. It is a gun fighter. Um, and I think the blood hunter being its own, you know, class in itself just gives so many more options. And again, the, the thematics behind it, I think are really well, especially for the world too. Guns can be awkward and tricky in, uh, D and D, uh, at least for me, because, you know, you're exploring some sort of, you know, goblin lair and the first pistol shot goes off. You can't tell me everything in a, a mile radius doesn't hear that echoing throughout the dungeon, you know, how, and, and so that's kind of one of those things of like, well, you, you're not in a stealth party, you know, there's just so many little, can't be a sniper with it, you know, so. Right. And the, the idea of like you said, you're in that, in that tunnel, and that gun goes off. You can't tell me everybody in that immediate area isn't deaf at that point. Right. Yeah. Depending on which weapon you use. I mean, I, yeah, you just really start pushing the realms of what I guess for me, cause I think of D and D kind of as that medieval fantasy, you know, and then throwing guns into it just as it's something I'm not used to yet. So still working on it. Right. And, and, and you know, for those of you who don't know, guns have been a part of Dungeons and Dragons in some form for a very, very long time, at least as far back as AD and D second edition, when you had the blunderbuss um, and guns yeah. have been part of like dwarf history for a long time. If you look back to like Warhammer and such, you know, cause Warhammer goes back a long time as well. They had guns for those characters as well. So this isn't like, it's something new or anything like that. It is something that's always been there. But personally, when I sit down to play a fantasy RPG, my first, thought isn't well i'm gonna have a pair of six shooters on my hip yep. it's just not yeah it's not something i think of i i think about you know that grand sword or that cool magical you know axe or 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 that staff of power that i get to find or you know things like that i don't think about guns it doesn't mean i didn't want to try it which is why i played a gunslinger and overall i enjoyed it it just not sure it's something i would play again but i i'm the kind of person that i'm gonna play if somebody says hey you're gonna play a new character I'm going to try to play a class that I haven't played before because I want to try. I want to give everything a shot and see what it's like. No, I, I, I agree. I, like I said, it, it doesn't hit in the realm of my fantasy. Uh, so it's really more difficult for me to role play it, but he yeah, their own. Right. And blood hunter just hits right smack dab in the middle of what I like to play. <laughs> it's got a little bit of the occult. that has got kind of a darker feel to it. Almost an anti-hero. Um, kind of win at all cost mentality. And so I think that's, I don't know. I, I like it. I like the skills. I like, and again, you, you get to make your own magical weapon from your blood. Uh, there's never enough lightning swords in the world for me. So the fact that they get to do that, it's almost an auto include for anytime I look at making a new character, like, Oh, maybe it's time for the blood hunter. You know, no one, we've spent this whole month talking about critical role and, and, you know, obviously we're talking about the books and, and, and the classes we've done our best to try to avoid the show because neither of us really have the time to sit down and watch the show as much as we would like. Now we both sit down and watch highlights because sometimes they're just too good to miss. And I just wanted to get your take overall on critical role as a whole and how you feel or what you feel it has done for Dungeons and Dragons. I would say, I, I think it's fantastic. Honestly, I, th I like the table that plays that I feel they're very diverse. So you can find maybe a player that you can latch onto, uh, to kind of make it more acceptable. I like Travis. He's, he's a big dude. He's a football player or, you know, I mean, he did that stuff in school. He's a jock. And that was one of those things of, I was on the other side of things in life where I played football, but I had to hide the nerd side for a long time because, you know, it was you know, 
rap music and varsity blues and I would get out of you know football practice and go home and play EverQuest and not tell anybody about it. So it, it's one of those things of anytime you can find people that kind of make it, oh, well, they play and I can I can relate to them. I think it's opened up a lot of doors for a lot of people that just maybe never had played or never felt comfortable coming out as a nerd. I mean, I guess coming out is probably the wrong term because it's not that heavy of a situation, but just saying that they are. I feel like they did a lot of that where it's just okay. The downside to that is, again, we talk about the Mercer effect and there's a lot of people um, and I feel like uh, geeks and nerds can be very closed doors to what it is well this is my thing how dare you mainstream it and so i don't i i think it's a good thing and if you're negative on it or whatever don't watch i mean that's just it's real simple you can turn that off go back to your game enjoy your tiles do your thing play your game have fun with it but more people playing dnd more people exposed to it more people gosh just the stuff coming out of it you know i love the comics i love the animations i want to see more of that stuff i want to see castlevania on netflix i want to see you know bringing more of that stuff into the world because i just can't get enough of it and now that it's you know nerds inheriting the earth type mentality it just i think it was really good for it i think it's continuing to get support and they continually try and make it better and uh, anytime you try and make something that I enjoy better, uh, I'll support you. So, and, you know, I, I like like the, the whole Kickstarter. I didn't, I wasn't a part of the, the Kickstarter for the animated um, shows, but I tell you what, when those come out, I absolutely will be watching them because I think it's really fascinating that they were able to do that kind of stuff as a whole. When it comes to critical role, I think it's fantastic. I, when I did the few times that I have been able to sit down, it was mostly during season one. I absolutely enjoyed watching it. It just hit on Thursdays when I was, and always able to be home to watch it because of other obligations. I have gone back like you and I have, there's been several times where you and I will talk about, Hey, did you see this? Or did you see this clip? And we both, you know, one of us will say no. And we of course go and watch it because obviously if there's a highlight of an episode, then something really cool happened. And there's definitely things that I remember, you know, from watching critical role and, and, you know, kind of going back to the Mercer effect, the things that I've seen in the show have made me want to step up my game when I'm a DM or a player. So I, I do try to do what, and they're terrible, but I do try to do voices. I do try to, you know, do more role playing than just sitting down and, and, you know, being at the table. And I think it's because of watching Critical Role and saying, gosh, I really can get more out of my game by just stepping up my game and and drawing inspiration from what they have put out there. And the other thing that I like about what Critical Role has done is that it has introduced so many new people to this wonderful world that we all play in. You know, whether it be Dungeons and Dragons or, or well, you know, LA by Night with Geek and Sundry, you know, whatever, whatever role playing the game that you've got into. And it's prompted so many people to create streams of their games. There, You can go on Twitch and find a stream on just about I'd imagine any game that you're looking to to find out about and, and spend some time, you know, watching it. And, and I think it's fascinating that that effect has happened and it's spurred so many more people to get out there and create content that there's a lot to watch if you really wanted to dig into it. There's, well, and we talk about it too, like how many more things are getting opportunity to try and find that stuff, uh, you know, uh, Dishonored, uh, The Witcher, uh, Cyberpunk 2077, you know, it's all these different books keep popping up. And, and I, I don't necessarily know that they deserve all the credit, but I think 
I, th- I think they do just for uh, some of it, at least for bringing it forward. I mean, it's it's everywhere for them. The fact that most people know about it, most people, you have celebrities now playing, like seeing it, that it's okay to, to co- come out and play, you know, uh, I, I don't know. I, I think it's just one of those things that they created a safe space to say it's okay to be a nerd. And a lot of people yeah. are okay with that. You know, it's like, oh yeah, no, I've been playing for a long time. I never told anybody or we play behind set or whatever. And it's like, why wouldn't you ever say that? Well, it's, it's because I'm a Henry Cavill and people want me to be Superman. They don't want me to be PC master race fan of the Witcher, you know? And now it's like, oh, that's, that's what we want. We, we love you for that because it's like, wow, you know, Superman plays D and D or he plays world of Warcraft. That's pretty cool. So Superman paints Warhammer 40k models. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. He's good at it too, fucker. <laughs> yeah, little man hands. That's <laughs> got to be what it is, you know. And I think I think you're absolutely right. And I think when you start when you when you put something like this on such a massive public space, it does make it feel like it's okay. And you know, for so long we were in the closet for, I mean, I guess it's probably not the right term to, no, it is the right term to use. We were in the closet. We were in the dark. Well, let's say it this way. We were in the basement, you know, we were all hiding in our mom and dad's basements because we didn't want the world to know that we played these games because we did get picked on. And with things like critical role and even stranger things, or even acquisition Inc, it has brought it, you know, and you can't even, you shouldn't forget about the Marvel movies either because they have taken everything that I loved growing up, comic books and role-playing games and video games and things like that, and brought it right to the forefront and, and put it in everybody's face. And so now I walk down the street and I see somebody wearing, you know, a, a Captain America shirt that probably wouldn't have been wearing it when I was growing up. Yeah, it's, I, I don't know. <laughs> it's a it's a it's just a good combination of a perfect storm i think is what it is you know you have the right people the right personalities super humble about it happy to be a part of it uh an amazing world that was built by somebody that you can tell loves the game uh he you know and i and i think that's a big thing too if it was if it was a, a money grabbing production type thing i don't think you see those things take off um, you know, anytime we've seen the celebrity stuff, it's fun to watch, but I, I, I don't know if I would show up every week to watch it, you know, uh, whereas this year is, I think they've all just really enjoy it, love what they do, created a great world. And again, just that interaction between them is, is so good. I mean, just that level of trust and, and whether that's part of the ability to act, um, in general of getting lost in a role or if that's just having really good friends, uh, I'm not sure which, because I think both of them help a lot. But I think you're probably right. I bet you it's a combination of both. And I think it's, you know, like you said, we're seeing so many of these famous people, Terry Crews, Matthew Lillard, Joe Manganiello, all these people coming out that, you know, are sitting, you know, that have said, yeah, I've played this game for years. And we have seen, you know, some of these folks on Critical Role or on some of the other, uh, games that like wizards of the coast is producing or that geek and Sundry are producing. And, and I just think it's amazing. And I really do. And I think it's bringing, you know, role-playing games so much more to the forefront. And, and I think it not only does it give you a more opportunity to play, but it also, we we're seeing people get an opportunity to get their stuff published because now there is such a high demand for it. And I love that. And I think the communities around it as well have been waiting for it. I mean, we see how much stuff goes to Kickstarter and gets funded almost instantly. Uh, we see the support on, you know, drive through RPG. Uh, I, you know, I think that's a, a really cool thing too, of just again, 
we can't get enough of it and that's it's just a, a good time i'm happy i am i get to enjoy it now uh versus going through and just you know going to work and slaving for the man and not having anything fun to do you know i mean it's just i feel pretty fortunate with where we're at and what's out there and it's a good time to be a, a nerd or a geek well that is it that is our month of critical role unless you have something else that you want to add I don't. Well, cool. Next month is going to be kind of all sorts of weird stuff. We're going to be talking about dystopia, rising evolution, as well as they come from beneath the seas, a couple of interviews, as well as kind of looking at some of those books and maybe looking at some of the character classes like we've done with some of the other books. So make sure you tune in for that. And also, if you listen to us on any other, well, on any podcasting, uh, what do you call that? Podcasting uh, program, uh, app, whatever. (laughs) Wherever you find us, wherever you find us, if you like our show, you know, take a moment to give us a review. We'd love to hear what you have to say about us. Or if you have any suggestions, you can always reach out to either Nolan or myself and tell us what 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 you would like to hear us talk about, because we're always looking for new ideas. So be sure to do that. And if they do want to get a hold of you, Nolan, how can they do that? Uh, I am on Twitter at in And of course, I'm Patrick, and you can find me at just about all the social medias at 307RPG. And before we sign off, I just want to take one moment and say our friend Travis Legg was recently tested for COVID-19, and I know it's going to be a couple of days before he finds out. And Travis, we just want you to know that you're in our thoughts, and we hope you are doing well, my friend. Yeah, uh, hang in there. Hope you feel better soon. Other than that, Nolan, thanks for spending the morning with us, with me with us that was weird whatever (laughs) thanks for spending the morning with me yeah all of us (laughs) and uh i will see you next time thanks everybody bye